This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. I'm joined today by Naomi Ross from Sydney Design Social. Hi. Hi, Brooke. Sydney Design Social is an agency that manages social media on behalf of many hospitality businesses in Sydney. And today's episode is about managing social media accounts. And this covers social media management as well as community management. I just want to be clear that this episode is not geared to people who have a full-time role in social media. This is targeted at those who are working in PR who may have some additional social media management responsibilities, just so they have a broad overview of what will be expected of them and some tips on how they can manage the accounts. So let's kick it off. In reality, big businesses or even very large PR agencies may have a whole team of people managing social media with some focusing on community management and others on social media management. But if you're in a smaller PR agency, there's a very good chance you may be required to manage social media accounts alongside your PR duties. So the reality is you'll be doing both social media and community management yourself. What's the difference between social media management and community management? Community management is the management of uh, posts, comments, reviews um, on Facebook and Instagram. Social media management covers the posts and the content uh, themselves. So the reality is someone who's in a PR role that's doing an extra bit of social media on the side for their for their business or their client is likely to be doing both of those things at the same time. Most likely to be doing both of them unless the company has somebody who's uh, somebody internally who could potentially be managing reviews. Gotcha. Reviews is the one thing within that community management, which is often managed by an internal team. Mm. And it is really important to actually engage with your followers versus just put a post out there and not really touch social media again till the next time that you post. Absolutely. The reason it's important to engage uh, with your followers rather than just posting and, and, and not speaking to them again is engagement is the, is the one measure which Facebook and Instagram absolutely loves. The more that you engage with a post or a story, uh, the the more Facebook and Instagram reward you and feeds that post up uh, to your audience in the right. future. So it's important for visibility of posts and future posts for you to have um, a constant level of engagement with Correct. those accounts, right? Correct. And I imagine just like PR, there are certain tasks you should be doing on a daily or weekly or monthly basis when you are managing social media accounts. Um, obviously, content and creating a content calendar would be one of those uh, elements. It is. How often would you recommend creating a content calendar? Would you be doing that once a month for the, yeah. for the upcoming months? Yeah, we normally work month in advance um, and that enables us to go through the approval process where um, where necessary. Um, we would then schedule those posts once they're approved, um, keeping in mind that a lot of businesses, there will be things that pop up within that month, things will need to get shuffled around, um, something might not be relevant anymore, will need to be removed. So yes, there will be a little bit of backwards and forwards um, and you need to be flexible enough to change uh, that content where required. But creating that content month in advance, posting, scheduling, um, monitoring is a big one. Monitoring of comments and reviews um, on uh, both pages. Um, advertising. Is that a daily thing that you should be doing? Or like if, if someone's going to try and plot out their week, is that something you should be looking at daily or weekly? or Daily. So the way that our team works is they will be creating the content on a monthly basis. Um, and I imagine, sorry to butt in there, that would take, what, a couple of days by the time you, you put your content together, it gets approved by your 
by your manager and then it might have to go off to a client or something like that and then that back and forth so it could take a good couple of days to go from creating the content to that content being approved that- yeah we would normally do it uh the, the the last week before the upcoming month so on the monday we would sit the team would sit down they would create that content for the following month um they would uh, then go backwards and forwards with the client as needed and then use the end half of that week to schedule it Something else which they do on a daily basis is uh, the community management. So going in, checking to see any comments, checking to see any inbox messages on Facebook and Instagram, responding to those, looking at any reviews, um, responding to those, going back to the client if there are any questions which they don't have the answer to. Um, A competition strategy is part of what we do um, at the beginning as part of our content. So if we're running any um, competitions in the the following month, making sure that we have all of the right information around around that so that we can run that competition Um, and then reporting, which we do once a month. Mm. And in terms of the engagement with your community once you've done a post, I guess... how often you do, you do that really depends on what the original agreement is with the client for your management responsibilities. Some may only have the budget for you to do it once a day. Some may need you to be monitoring and responding to people within five minutes of someone posting something. So I guess it really depends on, you know, if someone says, well, how often should I be doing it? Really, you should be checking with your manager and saying, right, so what are the, what are the terms of this contract? Is once a day fine? Should I be checking it multiple times a day? Because if you spend 10 times a day checking and responding, but your agency or you're not being paid to do that amount of work, then that could cause yeah, issues. That, that, that's right. Um, something else which would be part of that as well is there might be a reason, um, there might be an event coming up, for example, um, and you might be managing RSVPs. Um, so there's probably a general um, a general rule, but then it also might change depending on um, what's coming up that week. So do, I think definitely to uh, to cover your back, I would have a chat with your manager and and understand from them what they are expecting of you, and um, and then put together um, your tasks based on on that engagement that they require. Should you be looking at your competitors' social media channels, and and what can you learn from them? Yeah, so we look at our competitors um, at the beginning part before we've even set up our so social media phase. in the strategy phase. Mm-hmm. Um, we then also continue to monitor them, um, not as closely, uh, but we do monitor them on a month-to-month basis. Um, we really use those as a benchmark for engagement and growth as well. Um, there is a there is a section currently at the back end of Facebook where you can where you can specify your um, competitors um, and it will have their logo, it will have their um, their Facebook page and it will have their, uh, the, the, their amount of likes. So it's a really, really easy, simple report that you can see month on month um, of, your, of the competitors which you choose. And what uh, programs, I imagine you've tried a lot um, in your career in terms of posting and managing um, the posts, what programs do you recommend people considering? Because obviously they would they all be quite different. It depends on your needs and your requirements. They vary a lot in cost as well. Uh, so depending on um, whether you have multiple brands or just one brand is going to be a big, big so let's factor. Let's say you've just got one brand. What are the what are the ones you should perhaps have a look at? If you have one brand, I would brand. I would actually I would actually look at Facebook Creator Studio, which is which is uh, run by Facebook itself. Mm-hmm. Um, we use we currently use Agora Pulse for multiple brands. Um, so it's cost effective if you've got quite a few of it's them. Co- it's but cost not, effective. It wouldn't be for one. For one, possibly not. You might not need it if you're managing one one 
social you're managing one social media channel, you may not necessarily need an external platform because the way that Facebook is has been going the last couple of years is almost bringing in everything you need and offering it as its own standalone tool. Once you get up to mul- to managing multiple accounts it becomes very difficult you kind of you want a central inbox for example um, you might want to be able to see your content calendar um, but then also you have the budget generally to then pay um, mm. for those um, later and Hootsuite are ones that I've come across before Correct. are there any pros and cons between those types there, there are um, cost is a big one I'm mm. going to continue coming back to that also scheduling on Instagram um, all of them have their pros and cons and it really depends on what you need it for, how many times you're posting per week, how much advertising you're using. Some of them aren't able to, to run ads or prom- or boost your posts through. So you then have to go back and do it through Facebook anyway. Right. So that's where Facebook Creator Studio is is kind of the your best bet. It's worth exploring. Yeah. Okay. Um, so when you are managing the social media channels on behalf of a client and obviously the engagement with your community is part of that, should you pretending to the brand should you be identifying yourself by initials how how should that work it it really comes down to the tone of voice of your brand um, and what it is that you've who it is that you've decided you are for, for all of our clients um, generally we speak on behalf of the brand because we are we are speaking on behalf of the brand we're answering um, as if as if we were them um, in in some sales instances um, a lot of fashion brands um, online stores, things like that, really big global companies will normally have a name like ASOS Naomi or ASOS Brooke mm-hmm. to to um, differentiate. Um, and that is also, their, also then part of their community management strategy in that each of their team members have, have their own personality almost. Yeah. Okay. That does make sense. One of the things you will be required to do is to respond to something that is a little bit negative on social media. So it could be someone saying they don't like the texture of a new moisturiser, which is just an opinion, or that the service they received in a bar last night was bad, or it could be part of a much larger issue, such as multiple people commenting on the fact that your brand has called their new product something with racist undertones. So I get that you obviously need to adapt your responses to the issue, but what should the considerations be before you post a response? When we're going through the strategy stage at the beginning before setting up um, our Facebook accounts or before we begin managing um, those or before we begin our community management, we set up a template um, which we get signed off uh, by our client. Um, this ranges from almost your one your, your one out of five stars all the way up through to your five out of five stars. And we we go through what our plan of attack is should we should we be receiving a really, really negative review. Within that there are um, there are a couple of sub subcategories. So there's the ones where it's like one out of five, but they don't leave don't leave a comment. Um, to that, that's for, for us. We're then we're then going to go in and probably try and find out more information as to okay, well, why was it that you only gave us one out of five stars? We would love to find out more. We would love to be able to um, uh, understand why you didn't enjoy your time with us or didn't enjoy this product, so that we can um, work on you know making it better next time. That's kind of the the, the lower end um, of that one out of five star. You kind of then go up in a scale. So the next step might be um, that they didn't like something and it's a personal preference, um, all the way up to as you've as you've mentioned um, something that might have racist undertones or might be downright um, uh, a terrible. Within that document, we very clearly rate we we very clearly state uh, 
where 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 that fits and we'll have a plan um for those for those incredibly sensitive matters we would generally then go to our client um and let them be aware of the issue and ask them do you know anything about this person do you know do you know anything about this this product is this an issue which you've had before ask them the question and get as much information as we can before we go back and respond our first goal whenever we're dealing with something negative is to take it offline as soon as possible um, we don't want the review section um, of our brand on the Facebook page to become this all-in kind of slog fest. Um, on the flip side of that then, when it is a rather large issue, I guess you want to be seen as addressing that issue. We so do, yeah. at what point do you kind of take it offline and then come back in if there's been multiple people commenting on stuff and then readdress it? Like we would normally acknowledge the fact that um, multiple people have said something, for example. Um, you know, you don't necessarily need to take responsibility for those things. I think there's a difference between saying we recognise um, we recognise there's been a lot of um, complaints or there's a lot of people that are unhappy in this instance and then go in and, and, and speak with the managers, get to the bottom of the issue. And then if it's necessary, you might need to release a press release or release a post um, addressing that issue if it's something really, really big and important. Um, never just go in and block people, delete them, um, try and sweep the issue under the rug. Um, use Facebook as an opportunity and Facebook reviews as an opportunity to listen to your audience, listen to what people are saying and make yourself better. So I guess as part of that, I guess, crisis communication or those kind of negative response strategy when you're when you're putting that together at the start of the campaign, you should also, um, I guess, address with your client or your manager what's an appropriate amount of time that everyone agrees on that, that you should be responding to yes. something. Um, again, if you're only managing... Uh, an account and you're only checking in once a day because that's what you've been told to do there's a very good chance something could be up for 24 hours before you um, before you see it and can address it so you just need to make sure that that's okay or if something negative comes through do those things need to be addressed more quickly than you would address something yeah else? we would the way that we work is we currently look at our reviews twice daily so once in the morning and once early afternoon that allows um that allows us to avoid anything sitting online for too long um, if it is incredibly negative. Um, with that being said, in that afternoon batch, once we check the reviews, if there's nothing, if, if it's part of the contract to only uh, look once daily or answer once daily, you don't necessarily need to respond to all of those reviews that afternoon. They could wait till the, the next morning. So it might be that even though you're only responding once a day, you just do a casual check-in, which might only take you a minute or two, but from a client's point of view, it shows that you actually do really care about um, about those reviews. So I guess then the best thing to do is to put together um, and brainstorm what are the potential negative things that could come up, whether it's a product and they don't like the texture of something or something's given them a rash or, you know, whatever it may be and formulate with your manager and or your client what things you are approved to respond to using yes. a, a set and obviously you don't want to be just repeating the same copy all the time, but, you know, a, a kind of a, a set response. And from what point on do you need to then refer back to that manager and client and get their approval on, on how you respond on stuff? So that's really important to to set up from the start. Um, you've touched on this already, but um, to dig down a little bit more, in terms of blocking followers or deleting comments, when should you be doing that or should you never be doing that? I think there are some instances where um, blocking or deleting comments is or, or hiding them, which is also an option on Facebook, um, 
is not only necessary, it's encouraged. If there's if there's hate speech, um, if there's people that are, are bullying, for example, um, you know, there are instances where it is okay to remove those. Um, and I think generally most of the time you're, you're able to tell the difference between somebody being downright um, offensive mm-hmm. as opposed to having an opinion which you just may not agree with. Yeah. And you should be able to Google those guidelines, I imagine, quite easily, can't you, and work out Correct. what Facebook allows and what they don't allow. Because yeah. you can also report uh, re- report people, is that right? That's, if, that's correct. You I can report. there's guidelines around how often there they are, need to be. They are, and there are different um, different categories. Um, so if you uh, click on um, report, it can come through and, and all the different kind of filters through on a step-by-step basis as to why you want to report those people. You can then choose to block them from your own personal account. I guess as a general rule of thumb, you, you don't want to be blocking and deleting people no, uh, unless they have done something which you know is is completely like you said offensive, or they've it's they're not adhering to the guidelines of of that group or whatever you've kind of set out before. If if you just start blocking people because they don't agree with the new color of your product or they've yeah. just got a differing opinion, that's not good enough. No, it's definitely not good enough. Facebook has some um, really clear community standards on their on their website. Um, they themselves will remove quite a few things, um, even if you don't report it. Um, so they'll just come in and remove what correct. A, a comment or a post or both. A, so yeah. things like um, hate speech, which includes people, which includes content that directly attacks people based on their race, ethnicity, origin, religion, um, sexual orientation, sex, gender, gender identity, um, you know, serious disabilities or diseases. Um, all of those things Facebook will pull down automatically. Um, if if you ever see something that, that you think violates their policies, then that's when you can go in and, and report it. Um, and more times, more often than not, Facebook will then pull them down as well. Mm. Is there much of a difference between commenting from the user perspective across Instagram or Facebook? Are pe- people more likely to type out a response in Facebook because the nature of that platform is a little bit more copy oriented than Instagram or not really? Um, Yes, yes and no. Uh, Really, it just depends on the type of content that's being posted. So if if you look at um, Facebook as a platform, there are a lot more news sites because you can then link to the website. Um, So typically, there would be a lot more engagement on those posts um, because there would be more news sites on Facebook than there would be on Instagram. With that being said, Instagram can still blow out massively um, with trolls and 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 the like. And um, there are the options on both to turn off comments. Mm, okay. We are going to cover reporting for social media in another episode, but I just want to touch on it very briefly now because it's your reporting that will make it clear to you how that social media account is tracking, what your engagement's like, whether your followers are increasing or decreasing. And I imagine there are times when there may be a dip in engagement or a reduction in number of followers, which is apparent in a report, which could be for a number of reasons. At what point do you start to change your approach or your strategy or your ads versus just monitor? We monitor our accounts monthly. Um, and if they, if we can't see a reason why something has either dipped or grown, we will look at it really, really closely. Um, for example, uh, we know that um, typically um, – 
the week after Christmas, for example, between you know Boxing Day and New Year's Eve, generally people are kind of um, a bit maxed out from um, from spending so much family time. They might be going on holidays. Um, typically, they won't be online as much as they might be at other times in your standard week. So, if we were to be managing a Facebook page and we could see that between Christmas and New Year there was a massive dip. I wouldn't go in and change that strategy for, for next week because that week was mm. terrible. Because there's a reason, or or I or I can at least um, I, I can at least imagine that there's a reason why there's been that dip. If over an extended period of time, and I, it, it could be over two weeks, it could be over two months, there are a number of dips, and you don't you can't see why. Um, I would then have a look at the content, have a look at the captions, and uh, reassess accordingly. Mm, okay. And is there a general guide on what is considered a positive amount of growth or on the flip side, a negative amount of growth when it comes to social media accounts and their and their likes? This this comes back to um, the strategy, which uh, you work on at the beginning um, and, and any KPIs that you might set. Um, it's also really important to be benchmarking against your competitors, for example. And if you're looking at somewhere to start, you, you might have taken on an account and you're like, I've got no idea what is good and what isn't good. Having a look at um, other accounts that are more established than yours and maybe having keep, keeping track of their growth, keeping track of their comments, um, how much um, uh, people are engaging backwards and forwards, that will give you a bit of an indication as to maybe where you could be aiming for. And there's definitely programs out there that you can uh, pop in a social media handle, let's say an Instagram handle, and it will tell you what that engagement is. I know one's Flanks, I think it's PH. L-A-N-X and you can just type in the name and it, it tells you immediately it's got 5.63%. And um, I guess you want to be benchmarking yourself not only against your immediate like location competitors, but obviously brand competitors, but take note of that engagement. They may have a, a great looking site, but their engagement could be 0.002%, which means although they've got beautiful images going up, for whatever reason, people aren't engaging with them. So um, it might be worth you looking into that competitor a little bit more detail to see what they're not doing that you could potentially do better. There's also some really good industry benchmarks which are available um, online as well. Um, you know, if you're in the beauty industry, uh, you can actually look up and see what those benchmarks are. At benchmarks in terms of like social media growth or? Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Yeah. That's helpful. Okay. Um when it comes to community management and I guess engaging with that community, what are some of the mistakes people can make? Taking things um, personally, I guess, um, and then flaring up and responding in the heat of the moment yeah, is a really, really big one. And I guess the the area of issue there is that you you start to respond as a person versus as the brand. Correct. And not necessarily put your brand values or that kind of um, that lens on it and you take things to heart and that could just flare up even more. Flares up and can often come across um, in an aggressive manner. I mean, in, in the end, responding to reviews, responding to the community, you, gotcha. you're essentially in a customer-centric almost customer service role. Yeah. Um, so going in and responding from how you feel personally as opposed to, as you'd said, what the brand values are um, and maybe taking a step back and go, well, actually, why have they said that and what can we do to address that and make sure that next time they have a positive experience? Because how you respond, if it is in that way and you're kind of a, uh, inflaming something that didn't necessarily need to be inflamed because you took a personal offence to it, 
can have a broader effect because you may respond to something and then other people see your response and if that's not in line with how you would normally respond they might start not wanting to engage with that venue or that product anymore and that can affect your sales or your customers so it has a much broader effect versus you just getting something off your chest because you're a little bit annoyed yes in terms of your tips to being a great social media manager what would you what would you recommend people focusing on? Communication is a really, really big one. Um, being planned, um, having having a strategy and being creative. Um, a lot of the time you kind of need to make content out of not very much. Um, a lot of the time clients will have very little budget. Um, there will be things which are quick turnaround. So being able to react, uh, react and... Um, think on your feet mm. is a really big one as well. And, you know, like you touched on that planning is so important, you know, in terms of um, having your content calendar mapped out a, four, a fortnight in advance or a month in advance and scheduling time aside in your day because if you are indeed juggling PR responsibilities alongside some social media management as well, then you've obviously got a numerous things to do from the PR. You might be writing a media release, you might be, you know, putting together a guest list and you might be at an event, but at the same time, you still need to make time. So make sure you carve out time in your diary or in your tasks or however you manage your time to make sure you're doing um, your social media management on a, on a regular basis. Attention to detail is a really big one as well, which I think I just missed there. Mm. Um, I would be almost be saying that's kind of up there with one of the most yeah. important um you can have a great offering you can have a great brand you can have great photography and if uh if in the copy there's three typos and a grammatical error um it just looks poor it does yeah absolutely Okay, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Brooke. As you can see, there's so many layers to ensuring you have a successful, engaged social media channel. And there's other episodes dedicated to topics like growing your followers and managing your ad spend. So hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on any of them. Thanks for listening to the PR Pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com.